Welcome to the third edition of the About IBD podcast. I'm your host, Amber Tresca. I'm going to talk to you today a little bit about J pouches because that's the surgery that I've had. And most of you probably already know that J pouches are typically done for people with ulcerative colitis, not usually done on people who have known diagnosis of Crohn's disease. But even if you do have Crohn's disease or indeterminate colitis, I hope that you'll listen because I'm going to try to provide a lot of information and it can not only be helpful to people who are thinking about the surgery to treat their disease, but also for a broader understanding of IBD in general. I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis in 1989. I was 16 years old. Don't do the math. Um, I was living outside of Detroit at the time, and when I was diagnosed, it was um, quite bad. They called it severe, and I was put on sulfazalazine and prednisone. Those were the only drugs that were really typically available and used at the time. Things uh, did not turn around very quickly at all for me at that time, and because I wasn't improving, they were already discussing surgery. Thankfully, something happened, something kicked in after about a week of being in the hospital, and it turned around and I didn't end up going for surgery. What they were going to do was they were going to send me down to the Cleveland Clinic, and by ambulance probably, and do my surgery there. But since things turned around and the bleeding stopped and we were able to get things healed up, we didn't do it at that time. Obviously, I, we were new to everything. I thought I was going to have to have an ileostomy, and that's what several people who were at the hospital told me. But it was my gastroenterologist who said that actually, oh, no, there's a procedure that they do at the Cleveland Clinic, and it'll be a couple different steps. We didn't talk about it too much in depth. I think that probably would have come had we had to go further down that path. So, um, But they did have someone come and visit me. This is a, a sort of a little interesting aside, but they had um, a woman with an ileostomy come visit me in the hospital, and I have to say it was like that was that's an appropriate thing to do for someone who is facing surgery. Talking with someone who has had a similar surgery is just amazing, and obviously now it's so much easier. You can find people on the internet pretty easily that have had the surgery and will share their experiences with you. At the time. Obviously, there was no internet. There was nothing like that. So they had someone, probably a volunteer. I really didn't get her story. But she came into my room, and she was an older woman who had an ostomy. And literally, I could tell she had an ostomy. And it scared the crap out of me. And I was unhappy about this, obviously. I, things are so much better now as far as ostomies and appliances and things like that. You, there are people that sometimes I even meet with on a regular basis that have ostomies and it's not like, like I forget. I'll be like, oh yeah, you have an ostomy. You know, I mean, it's not like that anymore. But as a 16 year old in the hospital facing something that I never knew was going to be a potential turnout for me. It was really a difficult thing to have someone visit me who I couldn't identify with in the least. So, um, but obviously, fast forward 10 years, um, there really wasn't many treatments for ulcerative colitis 
basically in the 10 years between when I was diagnosed and when I had my J-Pouch surgery, which was in 1999. Um, just about at that time, mesalamine um, was coming along, but it was not going to help me because I actually had too many polyps and I had dysplasia, which meant that my colon was could potentially um, become cancerous. So this was this is obviously something that's you need to avoid, and it's something that can happen with ulcerative colitis, especially when your disease goes untreated or um, not effectively treated, and you have ongoing inflammation, which is definitely what happened to me. I went for periods where I didn't have health insurance. I went for periods where I didn't have my medications. I couldn't afford my medications. I didn't have a physician, things of that nature. It's definitely all of that is to be avoided, but at the same time, uh, it, you know, you can only do what you can do. And uh, hopefully now people will not have to go without insurance like I did because we have better protections in place for that kind of thing. So what happened was in 1999, I went for my scope because I finally had a job and I had insurance and I was long overdue for a scope. So I had my scope, things did not look good, they did some biopsies, things did not look good, it was time to have my surgery. So I spoke to two different colorectal surgeons, which I recommend for anyone who is having any kind of surgery, definitely getting two opinions is, I think, the way to go, particularly with something as complicated as a J-pouch surgery. I The first one... The first surgeon I saw wanted to do it in two steps. The second surgeon I saw wanted to do it in one step. I felt as though one step was a poor idea. For me, it is still done in one step in some cases, but I think it is generally agreed upon that one step is probably not going to offer you the best chance for a good outcome. So I ended up having a two-step. Some people also have it done in three steps. So my two-step was, the first step was total colectomy, so the removal of the colon, and they removed part of my rectum. I still have what they call what they called a rectal stump. At that point, they also created an ileostomy, so I had a stoma, and I had that for about three months. They created a J-pouch out of the last part of my intestine, which is meant to be used as a rectum. So... They, show, they sew it up into the shape of a J, and then they attach it to your rectum. What's left of your rectum, if you have some, or some people actually have all of their rectum removed, and then it is attached to the anus. Now, this serves as the reservoir for stool, so it can hold stool. You can hold it a little bit before you have to empty your pouch. So then I have my ileostomy for three months. After three months... They're, they do some testing. They want to test and make sure that your pouch doesn't have any leaks or any problems or anything like that. It's a pretty simple test. They uh, inject some dye into your pouch and they take some x-rays and they do that sort of thing. Um, in some cases, I think they may actually do a scope, but I don't believe that I had a scope at that time. And then you go in and then they reverse your ileostomy. And I had a loop ileostomy, which if you think about a garden hose and you think if you cut sort of half of the circumference of a garden hose and sort of fold it in half. That's what a loop ileostomy looks like. There's like two holes there. 
and then the stool came out of one hole and then the other hole didn't go anywhere or do anything. But then all they have to do is they just sewed that up, push back inside, sew up where my stoma was. Actually, they did not sew up where my stoma was. That was open. It was left open and it healed up on its own very nicely. And then I was able to use my J pouch. So the first surgery, you're in the hospital. I was in the hospital about five days. The second surgery, I was in the hospital, I think, three days. Everything went swimmingly. There were no complications in my case. So I've been fortunate in that regard. I know that this is not always what happens. So now I want to talk to you about what the success rate is for J-pouches. Because a lot of the questions that I see on social media, particularly from people who are thinking about having surgery, perhaps electively in some cases, is should I get a J-pouch or should I have an ileostomy? And while I loved having an ileostomy, it was amazing. When I went in for my reversal surgery to take away the stoma and then use my J-pouch, I remember very vividly sitting there in pre-op thinking to myself, what am I doing? This Why am I going through surgery again? My life is better. My life is so much better now than it was before with the ulcerative colitis and the constant diarrhea and the bleeding and the fevers and the pain. And it really was kind of, uh, I had to get my head around the idea of having the surgery and having the reversal because things were so much better and I felt so much better. But obviously, I'm glad I had the reversal. The J-pouch was already in place and the reversal surgery was almost nothing. I was back at work in two weeks. So the thing about it, though, is that I think there's sort of a lot of misconceptions or sort of bad press around getting a J-pouch, and some people might fear that getting a J-pouch might just send them right back to where they were before with the ulcerative colitis, with the problems that that brings. And so what I want to say is that J-pouch surgery is overwhelmingly successful. Not only that, but when they take uh, surveys or polls of people who've had J-pouch surgery, the people who are satisfied with their quality of life are above 90%. I've seen studies that say 95. I've seen studies that say 98. It's going to depend a lot on who these people are, why they had the surgery. The surgery is done for conditions other than ulcerative colitis. And it's also going to depend on things like uh, the, the place where they had it done and, and the skill of the surgeons and so on and so forth. So there's going to be some variability there, but it's overwhelmingly successful. The problem, I think, is, is that people who have successful J-pouch surgery are typically not complaining about the situation. They're sort of off running through fields doing all those things that you see in the pharma commercials. So they're not on the internet sort of looking for help. Or if they are, it's because 
they're going through um, something that might be self-limiting, like a, like a bout of patchitis. So that's something to keep in mind because whenever people ask me directly, here's my situation, I'm looking at potentially getting J-pouch surgery, should I do it or should I just get an ileostomy? My answer is always going to be get the J-pouch surgery. If your gastro thinks it's a good idea, if you found a colorectal that says it's a good idea, if you found a second colorectal that says it's a good idea, then get it. That's, that's my answer to that question because the overwhelming majority of people are happy that they've had the surgery. And some of the questions usually are, well, can you hold it? Yes. Yes, I can hold it. Matter of fact, after you have J-pouch surgery, you have to hold it in order to train your pouch. So there is initially some discomfort involved. It's not like ulcerative colitis where you're white-knuckled trying to hold it. Please don't let me have an accident. It wasn't like that. It does get uh, uncomfortable a little bit because you're holding it and you're allowing your pouch to sort of stretch to size and learn how to... Um, teaching that part of your small intestine how to act like a large intestine act and to act like a rectum. So that is part of it. But you don't do that forever. You do that for a little while and then you can hold it. Now, are you going to want to hold it? Are you going to want to go out and have like a burrito and then hold it for like hours afterwards? No, you're not going to want to do that. Okay. I mean, that's definitely true. Having a J pouch is not like having functional colon. However, it's a far sight better than having ulcerative colitis, going out, not being able to eat a burrito or have a margarita, and having zero quality of life. So that's where I am on that. Um, scarring. A lot of people want to know about scarring. Yes, I do have quite a large scar that goes um, from my pelvis all the way up and then around my belly button. It's kind of cute. And then above my belly button. And I'm not very big. I'm 5'2". So my scar is pretty long on my little body. And I will say that, yes, I did not and don't ever plan on wearing the things that I wore when I didn't have that scar. That's my personal choice. However, my J-pouch is now 17 years old. My scar is now 17 years old. You almost can't tell it's there. I mean, it's there. You know, if you look, you'll find it. But it's very much faded. And I would say after five to seven years, it faded quite a bit. Now, of course, by then I was having children. And then I'm not going to put on a bikini and go to the beach. Like, that's not going to happen. Um, but it's really not that big of a deal. Now, I where my stoma was, I have another little scar. It's a couple inches, but the same. Um, it's It's not easy to see. And my abdomen is, is a little more sort of, um, uh, I don't know what the word is, concave on that side, um, as opposed to the other side of my abdomen where my um, stoma was not placed and I don't have a scar there. But again, this is not something that I really worried about too much. You know, your mileage may vary. I was only 26. I wasn't, I, I don't ever really remember a time where I said, 
oh my gosh, I wish I could put on a bikini like I used to and go to the beach. Like, I don't remember that being an issue for me. But I know that's not the same for everyone. Now, they do, in some specialty centers, have laparoscopic surgery now. And in those cases, I think you just have like two or three little scars. And you're not going to have what they call, like what I have, the midline scar. So if that's something that is very important to you, you might want to seek out um, a place that specializes in that and can do a J-pouch laparoscopically. Some other misconceptions I think involve pouchitis. And pouchitis is a situation where the pouch um, doesn't behave normally and you end up with diarrhea sometimes mucus, sometimes blood, sometimes urgency. In my case, pouchitis also involved kind of a sort of little odd sensation in my lower back where I kind of felt like something was there. I think it was just like like almost being hyper aware of my J-pouch being there. The treatments are typically uh, one of two antibiotics or sometimes both. And uh, it's, I'm going to say it's not, it's not the best time I've ever had being treated for pouchitis, and that is the truth. However, I, my, as I've said before, my J-pouch is 17 years old. I've had pouchitis once. I've only had it once. And there are probiotics available now that have been shown to help reduce the incidence of pouchitis. So if you're taking those probiotics, there's a good chance that you can prevent getting pouchitis. They're expensive, so on and so forth, but if pouchitis is a major concern for whatever reason, um, you have to talk to your gastro or your surgeon about potentially introducing uh, probiotics, um, ideally directly after surgery. Now another thing that is of, of a concern, it's a concern for men and women, but differently, is infertility. Now with men, with any type of surgery like this, there is a risk of impotence, but it is, the, the risk is very, very low, and it's gonna change based on where the surgery is done and who does the surgery, but it is very low. And it's some, it usually goes away, and it's also treatable. So not to minimize that, you know, when you go in for your pre-op consultations and things like that, they will talk to you about that and they will go over the specific risk as it relates to you individually. So that is there, but it is a low risk. With women, the risk of infertility is higher. And depending on which study you look at, it, the risk is you know, somewhere between 30 and 50%. I've seen all, you know, numbers all in between there. Again, it's going to, it's going to depend a lot upon your surgeon, where you have your surgery, the techniques that are used, uh, whether you're having open surgery or laparoscopic surgery, and you personally, and your specific situation. Now, in my case, I was told that it, um, infertility was a potential problem, but I was also facing, 
cancer potentially. So it really wasn't, I mean, what are you going to do? You know, now here's the good news about this. Why does this happen to women that they could develop infertility after J-pouch surgery? The reason why it happens is, is because that scar tissue forms after you've had surgery. And if the scar tissue decides to form somewhere around your fallopian tubes and it blocks your fallopian tubes and then your eggs can't get from your ovaries to your fallopian tubes and then down into your uterus, that's going to be a problem for conceiving naturally. Now, having both tubes blocked, that's, there's a potential for that. But it could also be one gets blocked, one gets half blocked, and the other one is fine, things like that. No one can say for certain what's exactly going to happen, but it is a potential complication of this surgery. However, just because your egg can't get to the uterus to implant doesn't mean that you can't get pregnant and that you can't carry a baby to term. All it means is that you might need some help getting that egg to the uterus. And now there's all sorts of wonderful treatments in, uh, available for people that are experiencing infertility. Again, it's not something that you would choose. It's not something that I would hope you know, to happen to anyone. But if it does, you should know that there are ways around it. And it's not impossible to have a child of your own after having J-Pouch surgery. And I actually did it twice. I had two children. Both were vaginal births. And both of them are disgustingly healthy, rambunctious, chalking back, smarter than their mama children. Now, is that true for everyone? No, it's not. Um, but it is true in my case, so I always like to let people know that it is possible. It is not written in stone that if you have J-pouch surgery that you must have a C-section to give birth. I have questioned several experts on this, and I'm talking, have gone to medical meetings and spoken to leading experts in the field. It is generally accepted now that women with J-pouches can have vaginal births and are not at any greater risk of having complications than other women. If you think of it this way, any woman that gives birth is at risk of tearing and then experiencing incontinence as a result of that. Any woman. Anyone. Okay? Now, that doesn't make it any greater of a risk for you with your J-pouch. Why would it? Okay, so there's that to consider. Now, obviously, you have to listen to your physicians. If they're telling you that a C-section is the best option for you, there's probably a very good reason why. Make sure you find out what that reason is. And, you know, you do what you need to do to have the birth that you need to have and that you want to have. But in my case, nobody wanted me to have a C-section. They did not want to go in there for anything. And I was able to deliver both of my children vaginally. Did I tear? Yes, I tore. Did they sew me up? Yes, they did. Is my J-pouch any different now than it was before I had two children? No, it's not. It's pretty much exactly the same. 
Now, that's just, that's anecdotal. That's just me. But I do like to point out that it's possible. And I also like to point out that it is not the standard of care to give every woman with a J pouch an automatic C-section. If you want a vaginal birth and your physicians agree, that is definitely an option for you. So we've gone over quite a few things about J pouches. So some of the things that I think are the biggest misconceptions and that people ask about a lot, remember that J pouches are overwhelmingly successful. Most people are happy with that. I say most, but it's like, you know, 90 plus percent are happy with them and are doing well. And they're not on the internet looking for help. Pouchitis is a possibility, but it's totally treatable. There are people that have chronic pouchitis, and sadly, there are people who have had to have their pouches removed because of chronic pouchitis, and perhaps their quality of life was not what they expected it to be. But here's what I always say. You get the J-pouch, odds are it's going to work out, and it's all going to be fine. But if it's not, you go back to that ileostomy, and you know that you can do that. There's always that option there for you. So I don't know why you wouldn't try for the J-pouch as long as everybody agrees medically that you're a good candidate for it. My J-pouch is 17 years old. I don't know. I've seen people in message groups that have pouches that are older. Of my sort of circle of people that I know with IBD personally, uh, mine's the oldest. And there, it's fine. I'm fine. I will say that there are things that I probably put up with, cope with, that perhaps some people would have a more difficult time or would think that they're not willing to put up with that. Um, there is something that unidentifiable. I have no idea what it is. I can't figure it out. But every so often, if I go out to eat somewhere and I have something like pasta with red sauce, with marinara sauce, there's some kind of spice or something that will just, I mean, it will keep me in the bathroom all night. It really will. So you know what? I just don't go out and have a big plate of pasta. I don't really need to be eating like that anyway. So, but that's fine. I can cope with that. Do I drink alcohol? Yes, I do. Do I go out and usually order what I want, like steak or hamburger or um, grilled cheese? Oh, salads? I eat salads all the time. I don't eat salad like twice in a day, but I will definitely go out and have a salad or I'll have one at home for dinner or lunch. Do I eat nuts and popcorn? No, I don't. Not that you can't, and I probably could. Um, it does just make me a little nervous because there is a potential for blockage. Any surgery that you have is on your abdomen is going to come with a certain amount of risk for a blockage. And it's going to, again, depend highly on the type of surgery, on your surgeon, on you, on a lot of other things. So when it comes to concerns about blockages, you really have to talk to your own physicians to understand your risk. But there is the potential for risk. Have you ever? I've never had a blockage. I've never even come close. So I, I don't really worry about it so much. But I also don't, you know, go out to the movies and eat like a huge thing of popcorn either. Although I'm sure there's plenty of people with J pouches that do. So I hope this was helpful. 
for you to understand a little bit more about J-pouches and a little bit more about my own personal experience with a J-pouch, which has been over 17 years, has been vastly, incomparably better than the 10 years previous to that living with ulcerative colitis. I say living, but I mean honestly, living between bathrooms, coming home every night from work, going straight to bed, having to have my husband bring me some chicken soup, eating that in bed, doing nothing. I mean, honestly, just, you know, my surgeon and everyone that took care of me at that time did an amazing job and made my J-pouches perfect. So I'm always going to tell people that I think they should try to get it as long as they're a candidate. Anyway, I'm signing off. Once again, my name is Amber Tresca. You've been listening to About IBD. And you can find me everywhere on the interwebs. You know, is there a social media platform I'm not on? Eh, maybe. But I'm on the Facebook. I'm on the Instagram. I'm on the Twitter. I'm even on Snapchat. You can look for me. My handle is About IBD. And you can find my vast quantity of information on IBD that is written for patients on verywell.com. Search for any IBD-related topic or sometimes IBD-adjacent topics, and you will find my little byline there. If you ever have any questions about J-pouches or about anything else IBD-related, I do love questions. I love questions from patients because y'all give me amazing ideas for future articles. Please do tweet me, Facebook me, Snapchat me, Instagram, or find me on Very Well. Thanks so much, and I will see you next time.